My person is Joseph Knight. He served also in World War II. Um, he was a private first class quartermaster. He was living with his mom and his niece, and he was the one providing. His mom couldn't work. So to me, he had all these different jobs. One day he's in the newspaper working at a theater. One day he's a delivery boy. It's a lot of jobs he had. So for me, it seems like his motivating factor was I'll be able to provide for my family and maybe create a better life because he was the one providing for um, the people in his household. So... My veteran, his name is Clarence Elto Patterson Jr. He was a, a Naval World War II vet. He was killed in um, Oahu, Hawaii. So that's where he was first interned. And then he was brought back to um, St. Augustine's National Cemetery and re-interned here. And his rank was Stewart Master First Class in the Navy. And um, he was African-American. He um, basically had to lie about his age to get into the service because he wasn't old enough. Obviously, after Pearl Harbor, it caused a lot of men, regardless of race, that wanted to protect where they live, protect their country. But in his case, he had to kind of fudge his age a little bit so that he would be able to be entered into the draft and then eventually join. And, you know, he did his service, obviously, being marginalized in the community before going to war. Same thing happened while he was in the war, but he still did what he wanted to do. He served his country and, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice with his life. Mine is uh, Dylan Brooke. He came from a home where his father had been killed when he was nine years old and he had many brothers and sisters. So they struggled with that, obviously not having the father around and to take care of everybody. So, I mean, they would have to take in borders for their homes or find different jobs. So he joined. He was so my lesson plan, it's kind of like a three-day project. I'm giving them, since they're 10th graders, kind of like some primary sources to work with. And it's going to be out of five veterans, African-American veterans. And they're going to work on these primary sources the first day and kind of do what we did today. And then the second day, I kind of want them to write um, a little paper about their veteran that they're studying. And then the third day, they're going to be creating like an Instagram based off of their veteran. If by this point you think you amassed a holistic understanding of veterans history and of this institute, first, congratulations, your learning should be rewarded. And second, Keep your mind open, as in this episode, Heaven, the last voice you just heard, Alicia and Angie gave such vivid details about their veterans that I guarantee you won't find in any history textbook. What you heard right now in the opening of this episode was just a snippet of what they shared with me. When I spoke with these teachers, they had just spent the whole morning getting incredibly personal and intimate with their veteran. Listen to episode 6 and 7 of this series and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, Alicia Bryant made her debut in the series in those episodes, as she was one of the teachers I spoke with during the headstone rubbing. Talk to me about what you felt while you were doing this, you know, after spending over a week with your veteran, you know, what, what what's the emotions going through your head? I kind of got emotional because, like, I spent a lot of time on Clarence and getting to know him and his family. So it's been kind of, like, I don't know, like, I, I, I kind of know him, like, he's a part of my family, so... Kind of got emotional now talking about it. 
but it's pretty cool. So I like have a memento of my time with Clarence. One hundred percent. And can you share with us some of the details about your your veteran? Having gone through such a momentous and transformative morning that truly embodied a climax of all the work they have put into the veteran during this institute, produced an authentic conversation that was exceptionally passionate, reflective, and evocative. If when listening to a podcast, you can see and imagine what is being talked about, then you know a job was well done. And these three ladies did just that. The conversation's descriptive imagery allows us to go even further into who these veterans were. This imagery also extended into the pedagogical side of this series, as it got deeply personal with their thoughts and feelings towards this institute's impact on their profession, ultimately giving this episode an inimitable identity. From the UCF Department of History and UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, I'm Sebastian Garcia, and this is Episode 8 of the 2023 UCF VOP Institute Podcast Series. It puts a face to it. Hello everyone, this is Sebastian Garcia, and in this special edition of Night's History Cast live at the 2023 UCF VOP Institute, it's brought to you by UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, a partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, VA, the National Cemetery Administration, NCA. A special thanks to those agencies for the generous grant that made this significant, transformative, and necessary institute possible. Also, a special thanks to the Florida National Guard for hosting the 2023 UCF VOP Institute, We are recording live on location at the headquarters of the Florida National Guard in St. Augustine, Florida, which is in the historic St. Francis Barracks, um, one of the oldest military landmarks in North America, dating back to 1763, when the British used the Coquina building as military housing. So there's no better way of having a history podcast in a historic building. So we're right on theme. This year's institute is a 10-day workshop for K-12 teachers across the state of Florida to create VOP classroom projects for their students. By learning through the successful pedagogical model developed over the years by UCF faculty, graduate, and undergraduate students, these teachers will leave the institute with the necessary approach and tools to expand veterans' history beyond the university campus and into the K-12 classroom. And I have the pleasure to talk with some of those teachers right now. So with me is Alicia Bryant, Heaven Wilson, and Angie Hobart. Thank you again for taking the time out of your busy day here at the Institute to talk to me for a bit about your experiences so far at this Institute. And um, before we get into any of the questions, I would like for you to briefly introduce yourself, where you currently work, what grades you currently are teaching. Um, starting with you, Alicia. I'm Alicia Bryant. I am a seventh grade civics teacher at Meadowoods Middle School, and I've been there for six years. Hi, my name is Heaven Wilson. I am a world history teacher. I teach 10th graders. Hi, I'm Angie Hubbard. I teach fourth grade at Orlando Gifted Academy, and this will be my first year there. Congratulations. Thank you. So before we start the questions, I also want to give a a special shout out to you three um, and just the broader profession of K-12 teachers. I truly admire and respect the work you all put in into the profession. I'm grateful to still be close with some of my K-12 teachers back home in Miami, and um, their impact on me has been invaluable, and I know a lot of other students could say the same, so thank you sincerely. 
All right. So my first question is very, very simple, very basic. What drew you into attending this year's UCF VOP Institute? I'll go first. My dad is a veteran, so I'm definitely interested in military history stuff. I'm always looking for new ways to present things to students. I'm going to a new school that's an all-gifted school, and those kids usually know more than their teachers, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Um, So I kind of wanted, I thought this would be a great experience for me to bring into my classroom. Little people know I was a history major before I changed my major in college. So I always had a passion for history ever since I could remember, which is why I actually got a minor in history. And I'm teaching history, but this is my first time actually teaching world history, I guess. So I just kind of wanted to learn more, expand my knowledge, and also just learn about military history as well. I asked a lot of questions even coming before the program, like, what will we be doing? And a lot of them are just saying, we want you to learn, but we also want you to use your teaching skills while learning and integrating history. And you can never, as a teacher, you can never learn enough. So that was my main reason why I wanted to join. My grandfather grandfathers, great-grandfathers, uncles. I have a huge family that have served, so mainly Army and um, Navy. So that was kind of what piqued my interest. And then the fact that I teach civics and how a lot of the things that they put in the information, we're talking about Civil War, World War One, World War Two, and Vietnam War is kind of basically what I teach. So I wanted to see how I could better connect that for my students. So My next question is, And I ask this because I genuinely want to know. And also from my personal experience, you know, I don't really remember when I was going through K through 12 of getting any veterans history, which is a shame. Uh, Nonetheless, Florida history, to be honest, which is another disgrace. But besides your personal elements to this subject matter, why do you think it's significant to expand veterans history into the K through 12 classroom? It puts a face to it, I guess. And kids can say like, oh, my uncle, my grandpa, my mom, my dad, somebody that they know was in the military. Oh, this kind of reflects on them. Maybe they weren't in the older wars, obviously, but it's a way for them to see, oh, history is not so far from me. It's close enough to where they feel attached to it and I think the closer kids feel attached to history then it makes it that much more powerful to them or they can connect to it easier then it's not like oh that's a boring subject oh it's so hard because it's just numbers and dates and dead people but I think it's a way that brings it in I think in general that has to what Alicia just said a lot to do with history we have to always connect it as teachers back to how can that relate to the kids but even specifically military history especially with the time we're in, like they don't know much about anything in military history. So like we really have to find ways to really try to connect with the kids. And which is why I like to response because this is teaching us how we can put a face to just an experience of someone who was in the army or someone who was in the air force, but also kind of make them say, wow, it's respectable and honorable to be able to say, oh my gosh, they were able to serve mm-hmm. and they kind of understand that more because I don't think they understand. So they're doing some pretty good things here. I think that there's not any part of history that a veteran isn't part of. 
and they're a key role in so many important things in history. And so I think they have to understand what their role is. And it, like this week has really shown us like, you know, we have people that we're researching and it makes it feel like it's, we have that connection with them. And I think that that we can bring that to the kids and then that might make them more interested in the specific topics that we're teaching. If we have certain standards that, you know, instead of it just being, Oh, we're teaching about this war. Now they're like specifically looking and pinpointing things that they're going to be interested in. Listen, I love what you said because we are all affected by a veteran, no matter what I'm just even finding out like, Hey, I had people in my family who served in world war one and world war two and Vietnam War, like we're all affected, but when we teach it in class, it's kind of like you said that broader that broader aspect. But when you put it now, I'm putting a face to it. Like this affects me; it makes me want to learn about it more, and just bring it to being being able to bring it to our students will be able to have them connected even more and go, oh my gosh, I like my grandfather was there, or my great great grandfather was there. Yeah, I I agree with all of your answers about putting a face to it, making it making the history more personal. I've always been in love with history since middle school and, you know, just recently graduated getting my BA in history and now starting the grad program in the fall. Oftentimes, and this is not just exclusively to academia, I feel like it's just history in general. Oftentimes we forget that there's real people behind the pages of the textbook or of the book or of a novel, whatever the case may be. We forget that there are real people that actually experience the joy, but also the trauma of the past. And with veterans history, it's very apparent. You know, you can't ignore that fact. You can't ignore that reality. And that's something that I really enjoy about this institute and being a part of um, the VLP team and just being in here and kind of learning that side of history because it always gets forgotten in other realms. So you mentioned a little bit about the bio. So let's talk about those deliverables that you've been tasked with throughout this institute, starting with the bio. Just talk to me. A little bit about the veteran you've been working on now for over a week. My veteran, his name is Clarence Elto Patterson Jr. He was a, a naval World War II vet. He was killed in um, Oahu, Hawaii. So that's where he was first interned. And then he was brought back to um, St. Augustine's National Cemetery and re-interned here. And his rank was Stuart Master first class in the Navy. And um, his story is, I don't think, not too different. He was African-American. He um, basically had to lie about his age to get into the service because he wasn't old enough. Obviously, after Pearl Harbor, it caused a lot of men, regardless of race, that wanted to protect where they live, protect their country. But in his case, he had to kind of fudge his age a little bit so that he would be able to be entered into the draft and then eventually join. And, you know, he did his service, obviously being marginalized in the community before going to war. Same thing happened while he was in the war, but he still did what he wanted to do. He served his country and, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice with his life. My person is Joseph Knight. He served also in World War II. Um, he was a private first class quartermaster. He actually was buried first in France. And then his body was obviously sent to, once I, body sent to St. Augustine. I think his story is pretty interesting because unlike 
well, to me, his motivating factors seemed like he was only li- he was living with his mom and his niece, and he was the one providing. His mom couldn't work, so to me, he had all these different jobs. One day he's in the newspaper working at a theater. One day he's a delivery boy. It's a lot of jobs he had. So for me, it seems like his motivating factor was, I'll be able to provide for my family and maybe create a better life because he was the one providing for um, the people in his household. So that was pretty interesting to see. Um, But I really wanted to hone into the fact of his African-American experience, that the fact that he wanted to join, kind of like what Miss Alicia said, lying about your age. That was like, wow, you had that such a motivating factor to mm-hmm. want to join World War II, even though you know you're not going to get the best position. You know you're going to be sent to the Army because that's where most African-Americans went. You know you're not going to – you're probably going to be a cook or clean, but you have to do what it takes. Mine is uh, Dylan Brooke. And when he entered, it was he had obviously he'd done the draft card before, but he enlisted after Pearl Harbor as well. He came from a home where his father had been killed when he was nine years old and he had many brothers and sisters. So they struggled with that, obviously not having the father around and to take care of everybody. So, I mean, they would have to take in borders for their homes or find different jobs. So. He joined. He was killed in Rome. Then it took, he was actually missing for a while. And then they figured out that he had been killed. And then they had buried him over in Italy. And then he was brought a couple years later. I guess Mm -hmm. it was actually four years later. And he was brought back to St. Augustine National Cemetery. The next deliverable you guys have been tasked with is the mini tour. Just talk to me a little bit about that experience how this institute has prepared you for that and how you plan on implementing that in your classroom so we're given group assignments so heaven and i are in the same group we have african-americans in world war ii and we're kind of on the premise of making our tour for a fourth grade class because another member of our group that's what she taught and well that's where usually the kids come fourth grade to come to the cemetery and do the field trip so we're kind of making it and it's, you have to explain to the kids what World War II was, what was going on in America. You have to give them the historical context. And then you have to tell them, well, like how the people were behaving and how you have the different nuances between the races and what's going on with all of that. And then the military itself with its own kind of country and you're dealing with being in Europe away from home and how that affects the soldiers and then explaining then our part, which African-Americans explaining how their plight was in the military and what they had to go through and some of the bad, but highlighting some of the good stuff and just explaining to them what happened and, you know, their significant role and how that played a part. Mine is actually the Civil War. So obviously ours is definitely a big contrast, you know, about everything that was going on at that time with slavery. And so we, I think we're going to need to include a lot of the background essay for the kids before we're getting into each individual person. We happen to have one of our people is a general and then down to, you know, obviously an African-American. We also have unknown soldiers. So we're going to show like the different, even the different gravestones that they might have being a general as to unknown or African-American or just even, 
if you were white, like what, you know, a general person, not like just a normal person would have. And if you weren't like had a high ranking or anything like that. I also want to answer, you kind of had a two part question of that, like about the mini tours. The mini tours are for ours. The African-American mini tour is really important to bring into the K through 12 classroom or even bringing your fourth grade class in because Again, it really does kind of give them that aspect of, especially if they're in Florida, school in Florida, the aspect of these are people and we have to talk about wars, but we don't get to talk about the people. So these tours really do like kind of make it interactive with them and kind of have them actually see these headstones and know the background information and kind of we have like put these these things that they know into just visual context and getting there and getting to the mini or getting to the um, cemetery and actually seeing those headstones. It's going to be pretty cool for them. Personalizes it for them. It makes it real. Making sure we bring it to their level. I mean, obviously we can't, there's certain things, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're being cognizant of your audience they're fourth graders. So there's some things, yes, you can talk about it, but it's a way to talk about it. But also they're fourth graders. Their attention span is shorter. I mean, so it's kind of like, okay, here's some information we'll give you for 10 minutes. Now here's a, let's take a break and apply that information. Let's do a little game or let's do a little project or something like that. And that's what we're trying to incorporate with our mini tour. 100%. And the last big deliverable is the lesson plan. So just how are you trying to implement that in your classroom? How has this institute prepared you for that? And just talk to us a little bit about that. Mine is actually a DBQ, which is document-based questions. So it's also on like surrounding like the Civil War type stuff. So it'll basically, there'll be like a background essay that the kids are reading. And then there'll be different photographs or, you know, maybe captions or small, you know, small little excerpts on each one. And then they'll have specific questions to go with it. And they basically have an overall question that they're going to be answering. And I believe like, for example, we had talked about like, how are African Americans helping themselves during this time? Like that was maybe the overall theme. So each page, even though it might be different, basically would have the overall theme of what did they do to help themselves in, you know, in this particular photograph or in this essay that you just read? I teach civics, so we deal with a lot of things. But one of the main things we talk about are the amendments and how that takes place. Um, the civil rights amendments, basically. So we're gonna, I'm going to be dealing with the 13th, the 15th, the 19th, the 24th, and the 26th amendments. And kind of showing how the wars and the plight of African-American and Hispanic um, soldiers, because that's the biggest demographic at my school. And the team, they really did a lot of research for us and brought us some like good information. So I'm excited to get to share that with my students and then learning how to actually do the research properly. And um, even giving that towards my students, so that'll help them in other classes. And when they get to high school, they'll have kind of a leg up you know, Mm -hmm. so they won't have to wait till then to learn it because I've learned it here and I can pass that on to them. So Mm -hmm. I think this institute is not only giving us information, they're giving us tools and then there we can pass those on to our kids. So my lesson plan, it's kind of like a three day project. I'm giving them since they're 10th graders, kind of like some primary sources to work with. So it could be the senses, it could be 
a headstone uh, picture. It's going to be kind of these primary sources they're going to work with. And it's going to be out of five veterans, African-American veterans. And they're going to work on these primary sources the first day and kind of do what we did today. All of my 10th graders use laptops. So basically it's going to be this like a mini VLP, <laughs> but they're going to research their person. And then the second day, obviously they're going to have background knowledge on what we're talking about. So obviously my, my most of mine is World War II, African-Americans. And then the second day, I kind of want them to write um, a little paper about their veteran that they're studying. And then the third day, they're going to be creating like an Instagram based off of their veteran. So they're going to have to either get a picture, do six posts, like they're always on Instagram. And I know TikTok. So, but I chose Instagram and do that based off of information. What would they have posted? What would they, what would their biography look like? The bio, we call it the hashtags that they would write. So it's a three day kind of project, more than three days probably, but it's a project. So mine is a little lengthy, but that's what I'm doing of and I picked about five of them that I already have primary sources to attach to the website so the teacher can kind of guide them through it but that first day I kind of want them just to be thrown out there after they study World War II in their classrooms. I really like the point you brought up Alicia about you know these this will not only be helpful to the students in your civics class but also it will give them the tools they need later on in high school. Yeah I'm biased because those are my favorite subjects but I really do feel <laughs> like civics um, world history, American history. When I took those classes in middle school, it really did prepare me well for high school. And when I had to take American history again in high school and the Instagram project that you have planned, uh, I actually, when I took American history in 11th grade, when I took a push, one of our projects was to create an Instagram profile for any historical figure. I think it had to be 1950 or, you know, from 1950 to the past. And I picked a Thomas Paine, and I named him oh. T. Paine. <laughs> I did that too. Really? That's that's my example for my students when I do that. Oh, that's so, awesome. so it's literally T. Paine. And so they're like, I asked them what picture were they like? Oh, the rapper Miss? Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> Think of the T. Paine we've talked about in our class, and they're like, oh, the dude with, and then they'll yeah. connect, make the connections, and then like, okay, so what's the picture like? Oh, the picture from, and then somebody will go to the canvas page and find the picture. Mm -hmm. So you have a picture now, right? And they do it like that. So it's it, that's what I, that's the example I use. Yeah. It's like T. Paine. That is my example. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That kind of also leads to my next question about these methodologies. You know, of course, being in this institute, one of the benchmarks is to learn to expand your knowledge on veterans history. But another significant benchmark is learning and utilizing the methodologies that historians use to investigate more on veterans history, but really any other type of history subject. So just talk to me a little bit about some of the things you learned in this institute from that historian toolbox if you will i know personally i learned how to read these type of sources and documents like the senses and all that um i we always had it like a personal example we've always had these type of things in my family but no one's really been able to like really understand them so just going back home and being like oh the m means this or like the c means this we kind of know the information but like just knowing those little those little details in mm -hmm. history mean a lot and you know that but you're not like you can look it up on google like we've tried and that stuff doesn't pop up so having 
people to actually help us being being able to know how to research if we want to start from ground up researching someone. If all I need is a name now, I'm FBI now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I also just some of the nuances like the because obviously you can put a name in Google or in Ancestry and get some information, but then you have to interpret and decipher that information because my person is very difficult. He had a common last name. His last name is Patterson. And in this area that I, from learning from them researching that, that there was a big plantation and the owner's last name was Patterson. So all his slaves' last name were Patterson. So you have a lot of African-American families that came from this area that have that last name. So literally when I was looking, there's like the same three families that kept popping up. And so I had to make sure I had the right one. And then having the team show us how to search for people with maybe you have just a little information, putting it in there and using that little asterisk that makes total difference because that helped me find some stuff. And then it sends you down a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. And then you got to kind of know when to stop yourself. I think that's the, the key to when you get into history, like, oh, I got to know when to stop myself because I I have something I have to do. Right. Again, I'm going to talk about just the different documents. I Obviously, I'd seen a census before or a draft card Mm -hmm. or enlistment, but I guess it helped me interpret them more. Like, example, I just assumed when I saw the draft card, you know, I didn't think of it being like, oh, that's their selective service card. I thought, oh, this meant they were going into the military then. No, that just means they signed up. Mm -hmm. And enlistment is when they actually went in there. And um, like you were saying, the different symbols on the census or what that might mean. Or I another thing, just even the spellings of people's names, mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, look, I found all this over here that I didn't realize, but it was just because they spelled their name wrong. Or maybe they added another name to their name for some reason. Maybe they went by a nickname or something. So they had that also in there. So there were so many different directions that you could go with stuff that... I just kind of always just took it face value before, oh, you type your person's name in or whatever you're looking for, and you just look at what pops up. The speakers that they have for us, they brought in some uh, some professionals who do this for a living, and they were really helpful and powerful in showing us you know, what can come of your research and what could come of doing something like this and how you can continually impact someone. You can write a book, you can give a class, you can you know teach a seminar, and that's showing, yeah, we can start with our students and then this could, you know, maybe light a fire under one of them to do something similar. And even like as a teacher, as a history teacher, we have so many like um, of these type of institutes that teach us more about how to teach, but not as how like to develop your history. We should be learning history and especially things that we don't talk about military history just as much as we're learning these institutes of how to teach, we don't really get those type of knowledgeable institutes like this at teaching you how to do oral history or history. like Or the how they all go together yeah, too right. and how you can interweave everything together. Mm-hmm. Because I just think like, I don't, I mean, I'm sure your district's the same way, but in Orange County where I teach, it's like, you know, fourth grade is St. Augustine, you know, fifth grade's American Revolution, mm-hmm. sixth grade's world history, seventh is civics, you know, then American history. So it's so like broken up that this is kind of a way to put some of those things together because a lot of times you find the next year the kids are like, wow, we didn't learn that last year. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, you did because I taught it to you, (laughs) you know, but so I think that. But showing them the connections, I think Mm -hmm. that's a better way because 
history leads to something. And like I tell my kids day one in any class that I teach, you will continue to repeat history until you understand it. And that's the good parts and the bad parts. And obviously more so like that was a a lot easier to connect the kids to when COVID was going on. Like, guys, this happened 100 years ago. This is just Spanish influenza. Mm -hmm. It's the same things. And then that got them like, so I had kids coming to me like, miss, that's right. They had, and they were, people had to stay in the house. And yeah, they didn't have internet and things like that. But they, (laughs) you know, they were on their radios and they were, people were getting sick. So it was just like. History repeats itself if we don't understand and learn from it and do better. Well said. You three have unofficially have joined the pantheon of strong greatest answers ever on this <laughs> podcast. It was really well said. I 100% agree with all of the points you've all three made. Final two questions. First one is, you know, we're at the tail end of the Institute. What has been some of your favorite experiences so far? Um, and today was, was pretty impactful. So I, at least for me, that that was that was my favorite day. Um, I think I've enjoyed getting to know other educators who have a passion for history because you kind of get stuck at your school or stuck in your content and seeing elementary school teachers who are actually interested in history. And you're thinking that all elementary school teachers are about reading and math because that's basically what they throw at us, mm-hmm. reading and math. Yes. So the history part, I you know, it's been bouncing ideas off each other, but then also connecting with my veteran and being able to like today with the um the headstone rubbing and that I think that kind of was emotional for me because it's like I've been working on this person all week and like I feel like a connection to him because he didn't he wasn't able to have a family he was a young man and he wasn't at the point in his life where he had a family yet I mean he had a family but I'm saying he didn't have a family of his own right I want to agree with you on that. I, I would say because mine was the same way. He didn't have like a wife and kids mm-hmm. or, you know, he has, you know, no legacy on that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- we're learning about these people. And then it was kind of like doing the headstone etching things. It's like it brought them to life. And it was like I kind of like had an awakening moment like, oh, wow, like that, you know, because when you come here and when you first get here, you're hearing everybody talk about it, like the, you know, Dr. Lyons, uh, Dr. Giroux, Dr. Gannon, and they're so passionate. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you hated history, I think you, you would can. be loving it mm-hmm. because they are so passionate and their emotional connection to it all. And you really see as they do this, how important it is to them. And it's kind of infectious, I guess. And I don't know. It just today, I guess, like, I guess I really got it today. I agree with both of them. I guess all of our veterans didn't have a family because mine also didn't have any family. But I really enjoyed, again, like they said, the passionate, how people are so passionate about history. You don't get that a lot or see that a lot, especially the people who are coordinating this program. They are so passionate and the way they teach us and help us to understand history has been good. And even the people they brought in, I've loved the sessions, how people showed us their books and just been to be able to explain what they literally dedicated their life to. We had this guy, Holly, he did the Families of Civil War mm-hmm. and just how he dedicated 10 years to one book of just Who's going to put that time in? Who's going to put the time in like Dr. Drew of studying who is in the um the, the Native yeah, Americans the that were in there? The fact that she's changed history. She's changed someone's mm-hmm. life and not just someone, a whole community's life. Mm-hmm. And it's just been so awesome to see. So I really enjoyed it for me. 
honestly, I think it was like last week that it really hit me. Like I get the opportunity to be here and it's just such a pleasure. I want everybody to be here. I'm with you three. I think, you know, I'm obviously not an educator, but I love the idea of these types of institute. And this one specifically does it tremendously well of the collaborative nature of it like you said, bouncing off ideas. And then me personally being here doing podcasts, I love picking everyone's brains because you are interesting people. So yeah, it's it's been a great institute. It's been a great week for you, for me, a couple days. We're running out of time, so I won't ask my final question. But um, I really thank you three for taking the time out of you know the busy day here at the institute to talk with me about your experiences. Um, I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having, having us. On the final episode of the 2023 UCF VOP Institute podcast series. Honestly, I was part of the 2020 census. I needed to make some extra money and applied for it and was actually working for the U.S. government in the summer of 2020 and was going door to door to those people that had not completed it online. And looking at the information that I was asking about, doesn't even compare to what they were asking about in the 19, in any of those, 1910, 1920, 1930. Wow. And, and wow, seeing yeah. how that compares to my experience doing that to, you know, what they're asking about on these ones was, it, it, it's just, it's, it's night and day. And that's going to be a great experience to share with your students exactly. when you're teaching them how to read the census reports to share with them that you participated. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. I have to agree. Today feels like five days all in one because of all the different things that we were doing yeah. throughout the day, starting in the cemetery and and really getting that personal connection with your veteran. For me, it's filling in the gaps of, of history. And then I, I have a new definition of what history is now because it's based on different people's perspectives. And so for me, that that gives me a better connection to my students. And just, I mean, the kindness and collaboration and the, the tears that have already been shed this week. I mean, we, always, we all feel so close to each other. And the love that Dr. Lyons and Dr. Gannon, you know, and everybody who has for their students and the love that you guys have for UCF. I mean, I want to be a student again and go to UCF. <laughs> yep. I'm like, that do. sounds, because I don't remember, when I was in school, I don't know that I had that connection for somebody who loves a subject that much. And it, it seems like so many people have ended up with a history degree when they were going to school for something else because of taking one of their classes. And so I, I feel that connection and I feel that love with the students and the staff. This episode was directed, produced, written, edited, and hosted by me, Sebastian Garcia, and featured Alicia Bryant, Angie Hubbard, and Heaven Wilson. Executive producers are me, Sebastian Garcia, and Dr. Amelia Lyons. The 2023 UCF VLP Institute podcast series is brought to you by the UCF Department of History and UCF's Veterans Legacy Program, a partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs National Cemetery Administration.